Chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. Of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected of the Works of the Fathers, Gospel of St. John, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Alcune. Our Lord, at the time of his passion, used to spend the day in Jerusalem, preaching in the temple and performing miracles, and returned in the evening to Bethany, where he lodged with the sisters of Lazarus. Thus, on the last day of the feast, Having, according to his wont, preached the whole day in the temple, in the evening he went to the Mount of Olives, Augustine, and where ought Christ to teach, except on the Mount of Olives, on the Mount of Ointment, on the Mount of Chrism, for the name Christ is from Chrism, Chrism being the Greek word for unction. He has anointed us for wrestling with the devil, Alcune. The anointing with oil is a relief to the limbs, when wearied and in pain, the Mount of Olives also denotes the height of our Lord's pity. Olive in the Greek signifies pity. The qualities of oil are such as to fit in to this mystical meaning, for it floats above all other liquids. And the psalmist says, Thy mercy is over all thy works. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, i.e. to denote the giving and unfolding of his mercy, i.e., the now dawning light of the New Testament, in the faithful, that is, in his temple. His returning early in the morning signifies the new rise of grace. Bede. The next, it is signified that after he began to dwell by grace in his temple, i.e. in the church, men from all nations would believe in him. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Alcune. The sitting down represents the humility of his incarnation, and the people came to him when he sat down, i.e., after taking up human nature and thereby becoming visible. Many began to hear and believe on him, only knowing him as their friend and neighbor, but while these kind and simple persons are full of admiration at our Lord's discourse, the scribes and Pharisees put questions to him, not for the sake of instruction, but only to entangle the truth in their nets. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, 
they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Augustine, they had remarked upon him already as being over lenient. Of him indeed it had been prophesied, Ride on because of the word of truth, of meekness and of righteousness. So as the teacher he exhibited truth, as a deliverer meekness, as a judge righteousness. When he spoke, his truth was acknowledged. When against his enemies he used no violence, his meekness was praised. So they raised the scandal on the score of justice, for they said among themselves, If he decided to let her go, he will not do justice, for the law cannot command what is unjust. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but to maintain his meekness, which made him already so acceptable to the people, he must decide to let her go. Wherefore they demand his opinion. What sayest thou? hoping to find an occasion to accuse him, as a transgressor of the law. And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But our Lord, in his answer, both maintained his justice, and departed not from meekness. Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground. Augustine, as if to signify that such persons were to be written in earth, not in heaven, where he told his disciples they should rejoice, they were written or his bowing his head to write on the ground, is an expression of humility, the writing on the ground signifying that his law was written on the earth, which bore fruit, not on the barren stone as before. Alcyon, the ground denotes the human heart, which yieldeth the fruit either of good or of bad actions, the finger jointed, inflexible, discretion. He instructs us then, when we see any faults in our neighbors, not immediately and rashly to condemn them, but after searching our own hearts, to begin with, to examine them attentively with the finger of discretion. Bede, his writing with his finger on the ground, perhaps showed that it was he who had written the law on stone. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up, Augustine. He did not say, stone her not, lest he should seem to speak contrary to the law. But God forbid that he should say, Stone her, for he came not to destroy that which he found, but to seek that which was lost. What then did he answer? He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. This is the voice of justice. Let the sinner be punished, but not by sinners. The law carried into effect but not by transgressors of the law. Gregory, for he who judges not himself first cannot know how to judge correctly in the case of another. For though he know what the offense is from being told, yet he cannot judge of another's deserts, who, supposing himself innocent, will not apply the rule of justice to himself. Augustine, having with the weapon of justice smitten them, he deigned not even to look on the fallen, but averted his eyes, and again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Alcune, this is like our Lord. While his eyes are fixed and he seems attending to something else, he gives the bystanders an opportunity of retiring, a tacit admonition to us to consider always, both before we condemn a brother for a sin, and after we have punished him, whether we are not guilty ourselves of the same fault or others as bad. Augustine, 
thus smitten then with the voice of justice as with a weapon they examine themselves find themselves guilty and one by one retire and they which heard it went out one by one beginning at the eldest gloss the more guilty of them perhaps are those who were more conscious of their own faults augustine there were left however two the pitiable and the pitiful and jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst the woman you may suppose in great alarm expecting punishment from one in whom no sin could be found but he who had repelled her adversaries with the word of justice lifted on her the eyes of mercy and asked when jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman he said unto her woman where are thine accusers hath no man condemned thee she said no man lord we heard above the voice of justice let us hear now that of mercy jesus said unto her neither do i condemn thee i who thou feardest would condemn thee because thou foundest no fault in me what then lord dost thou favor sin no surely listen to what follows go and sin no more so then our lord condemned sin but not the sinner for did he favor sin he would have said go and live as thou wilt depend on my deliverance howsoever great thy sins be it matters not i will deliver thee from hell and its tormentors but he did not say this let those attend who love the lord's mercy and fear his truth truly gracious and righteous is the lord verse twelve then spake jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life alcyon having absolved the woman from her sin lest some should doubt seeing that he was really man his power to forgive sins he deigns to give further disclosure of his divine nature then spake jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world bead where it is to be observed he does not say i am the light of angels or of heaven but the light of the world i e of mankind who live in darkness as we read to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death chrysostom as they had brought galilee as an objection against him and doubted his being one of the prophets as if that was all he claimed to be he wished to show that he was not one of the prophets but the lord of the whole earth then spake jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world not of galilee or of palestine or of judea augustine the manichaeans supposed the son of the natural world to be our lord christ but the catholic church reprobates such a notion for our lord christ was not made the son but the son was made by him inasmuch as all things were made by him and for our sake did he come to be under the sun being the light which made the sun he hid himself under the cloud of flesh not to obscure but to temper his light speaking then through the cloud of the flesh the light unfailing the light of wisdom says to men i am the light of the world Theophilact, you may bring these words against nestorius for our lord does not say in me is the light of the world but i am the light of the world he who appeared man was both son of god and light of the world not as nestorius fondly holds 
the Son of God dwelling in a mere man. Augustine. He withdraws you, however, from the eyes of the flesh to those of the heart, and that he adds, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He thinks it not enough to say, Shall have light, but adds of life. These words of our Lord agree with those of the psalm. In thy light shall we see light, for with thee is the well of life. For bodily uses, light is one thing, and a well another, and a well ministers to the mouth, light to the eyes. With God the light and the well are the same. He who shines upon thee, that thou mayest see him, the same flows unto thee, that thou mayest drink him. What he promises is put in the future tense, that we ought to do in the present. He that followeth me, he says, shall have, i.e. by faith now in sight later. The visible sun accompanieth thee, only if thou goest westward, whither it goeth also, and even if thou followeth it, it will forsake thee at its setting. Thy God is everywhere holy. He will not fall from thee, if thou fall not from him. Darkness is to be feared, not that of the eyes, but that of the mind. And if of the eyes, of the inner, not the outer eyes, not those by which white and black, but those by which just and unjust are discerned. Chrysostom, walketh not in darkness, i.e. spiritually abideth not in error. Here he tacitly praises Nicodemus and the officers, and censures those who had plotted against him, as being in darkness and error, and unable to come to the light. Verses 13 through 18. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, and ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Chrysostom. Our Lord, having said, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me walketh not in darkness. The Jews wish to overthrow what he has said. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Alcune. As if our Lord himself were the only one that bore witness to himself. Whereas the truth was that he had, before his incarnation, sent many witnesses to prophesy of his sacraments. Chrysostom. Our Lord, however, overthrew their argument. Jesus answered and said, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. This is an accommodation to those who thought him no more than a mere man. He adds the reason, For I know whence I come and whither I go, i.e. I am God, from God, and the Son of God. Though this he does not say expressly, from his habit of mingling lofty and lonely words together. Now God is surely a competent witness to himself. Augustine. The witness of light is true, whether the light show itself or other things. The prophet spake the truth, 
but whence had he it, but by drawing from the fount of truth. Jesus then is a competent witness to himself, for I know whence I come and whither I go. This is reference to the Father, for the Son give glory to the Father who sent him. How greatly then should man glorify the Creator who made him? He did not separate from his Father, however, when he came, or desert us when he returned. Unlike that sun, which in going to the west leaves the east, and as that sun throws its light on the faces both of him who sees and him who sees not, only the one sees with the light, the other sees not. So the wisdom of God, the word, is everywhere present, even to the minds of unbelievers. But they have not the eyes of the understanding, wherewith to see, to distinguish then between believers and enemies among the Jews, as between light and darkness, he adds, But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. These Jews saw the man and did not believe in the God. And therefore our Lord says, Ye judge after the flesh, i.e. in saying, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Theophylact, as if to say, Ye judge untruly, according to the flesh, thinking, Because I am in the flesh, that I am flesh only, and not God. Augustine, understanding me not as God, and seeing me as man, ye think me arrogant in bearing witness of myself. For any man who bears high testimony to himself is thought proud and arrogant. But men are frail, and may either speak the truth or lie. The light cannot lie. Chrysostom, as to live according to the flesh is to live amiss, so to judge according to the flesh is to judge unjustly. They might say, however, if we judge wrongly, why dost thou not convict us? Why dost thou not condemn us? So he adds, I judge no man. Augustine, which may be understood in two ways, I judge no man, i.e. not now. As he says elsewhere, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Not that he abandons, but only defers his justice. Or having said, ye judge according to the flesh, he says immediately, I judge no man, to let you know that Christ does not judge according to the flesh, as men judged him. For that Christ is a judge appears from the next words. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true. Chrysostom, as if to say, in saying, I judge no man, I meant that I did not anticipate judgment. If I judged justly, I should condemn you, but now is not the time for judging. He alludes, however, to the future judgment in what follows, For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me, which means that he will not condemn them alone, but he and the Father together. This is intended, too, to quiet suspicion, as men did not think the Son worthy to be believed, unless he had the testimony of the Father also. Augustine, but if the Father is with thee, how did he send thee? O Lord, thy mission is thy incarnation. Christ was here according to the flesh, without withdrawing from the Father, because the Father and the Son are everywhere. Blush thou, Sabellian, our Lord doth not say, I am the Father, and I the selfsame person am the Son, but I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Make a distinction, then, of persons, and distinction of intelligences. 
Acknowledge that the Father is the Father, the Son, the Son. But beware of saying that the Father is greater, the Son less. Theirs is one substance, one co-eternity, perfect equality. Therefore he says, My judgment is true, because I am the Son of God. But that thou mayest understand how that the Father is with me. It is not for the Son ever to leave the Father. I have taken up the form of a servant, but I have not lost the form of God. He had spoken of judgment, now he speaks of witness. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Augustine. Is this made a bad use of by the Manichaeans, that our Lord does not say, in the law of God, but in your law? Who does not recognize here a manner of speaking customary in Scripture? In your law, i.e., in the law given to you, the apostle speaks of his gospel in the same way, though he testifies to having received it not from men, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Augustine, there is much difficulty and a great mystery seems to be contained in God's words. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It is possible that two may speak false. The chaste Susanna was arraigned by two false witnesses. The whole people spake against Christ falsely. How then must we understand the word? By the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Except as an intimation of the mystery of the Trinity, in which is perpetual stability of truth. Receive then our testimony, lest ye feel our judgment. I delay my judgment, I delay not my testimony. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Bede. In many places the Father bears witness of the Son, as this day have I begotten thee. Also, this is my beloved Son, Chrysostom. It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. If this is to be taken literally, in what respect does our Lord differ from men? The rule has been laid down for men, on the ground that one man alone is not to be relied on. But how can this be applicable to God? These words are quoted then with another meaning. When two men bear witness, both to an indifferent manner, their witness is true. This constitutes the testimony of two men. But if one of them bear witness to himself, then they are no longer two witnesses. Thus our Lord means to show that he is consubstantial with the Father, and does not need another witness, i.e., besides the Father's. I and the Father that sent me. Again, on human principles, when a man bears witness, his honesty is supposed. He is not born witness to and the man is admitted as a fair and competent witness in an indifferent matter. But do not in one relating to himself, unless he is supported by another testimony. But here it is quite otherwise. Our Lord, though giving testimony in his own case, and though saying that he is borne witness to by another, pronounces himself worthy of belief, thus showing his all-sufficiency, he says he deserves to be believed. Alcyon. Or it is as if he said, if your law admits the testimony of two men who may be deceived and testify to more than is true, on what grounds can you reject mine and my father's testimony, the highest and most sure of all? End of chapter 8, verses 1 through 18.